Now, oh, oh Mike, I'm struggling tonight to introduce tonight's guest because is she a, is she a wife? Is she a mother? Is she a scoutmaster? Is she a veterinary nurse? Is she a BVNA regional rep? What, what is she? I think she's all of those, but why don't we ask her? Let's get Carly Kilby in and ask her. Okay. Hi, I'm Mike Brampton. And my name is Julian Ho. Welcome to Veterinary Ramblings. We interrupt the show for an important announcement. Hi there, dedicated listeners. We just wanted to take a little time outside of the show as we've got something very exciting to share with you. We have exclusive Veterinary Ramblings merchandise available now, including T-shirts, mugs, posters and prints. Now, personally, I think my favourite is our T-shirt with a hilarious diagram of cat anatomy, yep. which has been revised to include their sandpaper tongue and treat-detecting ears. And essential for all veterinary students. If you would like to show your support for the show, head over to veterinaryramblings.com and select either the merch button for a one-off purchase through our T-Mill store or select Become a Patron. I'm sure you'll be absolutely chuffed to know that everything in our T-Mill store is fully sustainable, carbon neutral and shipped in plastic-free packaging. By making a one-off purchase, you will help us to plant more trees, save water and reduce carbon emissions. If you want to further support us, become a Patreon and receive items you cannot get through one-off purchasing. A shout-out on the show and exclusive Veterinary Ramblings content. Every single purchase made will really help us keep on interviewing amazing guests. But if nothing else, we do appreciate you tuning in. Now. Now. On with the show. Hello. 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 Carly, great to see you. (laughs) Thanks for having me. You're very welcome. (laughs) Very welcome. Carly, we're desperate to know, so would you please tell us, uh, Mike, do you want to ask the question? What, the question? Yeah. What, the ultimate question? Shall we? Is it too early? (sighs) My word, but we barely know, Carly, but I think I'll ask the question in that case. If you want me to ask the question. I think think we should. Carly, I apologise if it's too early to ask you this question. We've barely met you. We'll dive straight in. Barely met you and we're just going straight in with this. There's no no warm-up or anything like that, is there? Carly, what most of our listeners will really want to know, knowing that you're on the show, is what is your favourite bread? Um, White. Right. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Okay. A thick slice. White bread. Oh, right. Okay. Um, So my dad was a baker. um, So I grew up with him bringing home all these burnt loaves that he couldn't sell. So I don't mind a crusty crust. I don't mind a burnt crust. um, And that's one of the reasons why I cut my own bread. Because again, I'm used to having massive sandwiches where I just used to bring bread home and it used to have to get eaten. So... I, well. I noticed that Carly's got a glass of water there, Julian. So, but when you're not drinking water, you like a glass of wine. I do love a glass of wine, yes. And I have become increasingly more fussy with my wine since having children because I've turned to it more as a pudding. So I don't eat puddings after tea now, and instead I get my calorie intake 
and the chill zone from a nice chilled glass of wine. Why? A little sauterne or something or a, or a oh, Hungarian no. Tokai? Oh no, no, no. We're talking like a, a, a Spanish or a Portuguese vintage, whatever. You know, you're talking like 10, 11 pound a bottle of wine. Oh, that's, that's all right. That's, that's yeah. reasonable. A nice, a nice rub. Yeah, I don't drink red, so it's not into the, the 30s and 40s. Pounds of mm. But it's um, it's also not, yeah, what's it? Blue Nun. <laughs> Do you know, they, they've recently, uh, I heard, re-released Blue Nun. <laughs> uh, and, and, um, and it's actually quite nice, apparently. Apparently. Uh, <laughs> so, we've, we've got... We've got the vet nurse on the show yeah, yeah, to yeah. talk about wine and bread. Is that is wine this... and bread and a bit of, <laughs> bit about cake as well? We mentioned we should talk. We should talk. You're absolutely right. We got a vet nurse on for heaven's sake. We should talk about scouting, shouldn't we? Yeah, I am a, an assistant scout leader. I went to Cubs. I got, I got kicked mm-hmm. out through a particularly nasty girl guiding. So I won't go. In, I won't go into that. Anyway, um, so are you an Arcana? Is it an Arcana or? No, that's cubs. So that's cubs. Cubs are named after characters in the Jungle Book. Beaver leaders are named after uh, historical Indian tribes. So you've got Sacagawea and Howling Wolf, Standing Bear, Red Cloud. You know all of those. Mm-hmm. I-, I can imagine four-year-olds calling out Sacagawea. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's a tongue twister. But but they don't get them to spell it. Mm. Um, yeah, so no, when you get into Scouts, you're 10 and a half to 14 um, and you're considered a grown-up and we're all grown-ups, so we just call each other by our first names or oi. So no, I don't have I don't have a, a leader name as such. Nobody does. So were you were you a cub, brownie? No, I grew up in East London and so outdoorsy wilderness things wasn't really... My parents aren't outdoorsy people. All of our holidays um, were... Costa del Sol beach you know and that was mm. it you know there's nothing adventurous I mean don't get me wrong going to Costa del Sol was very, okay. privileged. Sorry, any, very privileged any of our Spanish listeners uh, what we <laughs> mean by that of course <laughs> what I mean by that was it's a very privileged holiday don't get absolutely, me wrong absolutely yeah but yeah. there was no um outdoorsy <laughs> wilderness experience with it you mm. know it was right. um package holidays and uh, and the beach just so my parents could sit for five or seven days so um yeah so no I I didn't have anything like that and then we moved to to Devon when I was 14 and yeah got to know the countryside a bit more um when I was 15 16 I went out with uh some large animal vets and did like cattle sheep calls and, and things like that on my Saturdays it kind of you know stirred my interest in in the outdoors um but it's my husband my husband is just the great outdoorsy he was a a scout um and he has just implemented all things outdoors into into our children is is he a vet or uh... yes it's a cliche i know it's a cliche i really struggled to find somebody who understood my job you know, and uh, let somebody who put up with a vet. That's what you mean. <laughs> well, not only that, but when when you're a vet nurse and you're in your training and mm. you're surrounded by other 17, 18, 19 year olds, you know, you, they just they don't understand that you don't finish at five and you, know, you can't go to the pub. 
And yes, I know I said I could go to the pub, but now I can't go to the pub, you know, and it's it's that kind of constantly yeah. letting people down all the time. Mm. So to to yeah, to find somebody that understood we were on call together. So Saturday nights were, you know, elbows deep in a GDV or I, I got into trouble just the other week because of something like that. I'd assumed that the whole audience in the little restaurant that we were sitting in for the 60th birthday party were all vets or all nurses. And somebody was asking me about why cyclists shave their legs. So I was explaining to them that so that when you crash, you can get the grit out and the wounds heal quicker. And they said, so where do you stop shaving? And I said, well, originally, most cyclists would shave below the waist all the way down. However, British Cycling ran a study and discovered that for the pubic areas, it's best if you leave at least half a centimetre or a centimetre of stubble so that you don't get ingrowing hairs. And they've reduced the amount of saddle sores. And I then went on to tell the story of when I raced against the New Zealand road racing team and I had a saddle sore. Half the room had gone blanched and, and they were all going, <laughs> 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 And, and, and Trudy, my partner, was going, <laughs> didn't notice at all. Totally blind. Yeah, we, we all do this. We've had these conversations. So, so last week, it was my birthday. I got a phone call from a colleague. And I was just saying, uh, oh, oh, okay, so hop, 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 sorry, yeah, work, work, um, work question. Yeah, so is it, is it, have you checked the whole of the produce? You have. Okay. And there's. This smegma is there. Well, you need to clear that off and then uh, give it a good old flush out. If I, sorry, whatever. Yeah, <laughs> or, or, yeah, cream on that, cream on that, please. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> and parmesan, yeah. And uh, suddenly thought maybe not everyone wants to listen to this conversation. No. Yeah, but it was too late then, wasn't it? It was too late. It's that sinking feeling, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> so, what made you get into veterinary nursing? What, what unseen force propelled you towards that? Um, I, when I was little, you don't really know about nursing, so you always say you want to be a vet. Um, and that was because of uh, Rolf Harris on the telly doing the animal hospital programme. <laughs> oh, do you know what it is yet? Yeah. Yeah. It's your hand, Mr. Harris. Take away. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's. Yeah, so I always said I wanted to be a vet. And then when I got into my teenage years, started doing work experience and things, I mm. was in the consult rooms with the vets and actually thought this is really boring because you're just saying the same thing over and over again and nobody's really listening to you. Um, and I went out the back and I saw all these people in green uniform running around like headless chickens covered in all sorts of fluff and bodily fluids and, and whatever um and I thought this this is it this is I want to be one of these green people what are these green people doing and I was following them around and you know they were playing with drips and taking dogs for walks and, and straining for uh, ultrasounds and positioning and cleaning kits and, and I was just like oh yes this is this is what I, I want to mm. do so mm. it was at that point that I started doing more work experience after school and, and on Saturday mornings and haven't done anything else since. I don't know what else I would do. It's one of those 
very strange scenarios where people, you do get asked, don't you? If you weren't a vet, what else would you do? Oh, good question. Um, yeah. Hey, Carly, if you weren't a vet, what else would you do? <laughs> I'd be a bum, I think, because I just don't know what else I would do. There's, I like teaching. I like watching people grow. I like sharing skills and knowledge, and I like that aspect of it a bit more so I mean I might branch out but it'd still totally be within the industry I, I don't think I'd ever leave it um and it's been weird like because I've been doing it for 20 years now and watching just watching progression within medicine the veterinary medicine generally and the the skills and development of the role of the veterinary nurse it's just been amazing you know and and, and I've been a part of that and I've been bimbling along being a part of it, not being aware of it until you reflect and go, and you end up saying that thing, well, in my day, we used to do this. Mm-hmm. And like, How old am I? A, a lot younger than we are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so you're already saying, I remember in my day then. Do you ever catch yourself saying something to your kids and you think, oh, my God, that was my mum speaking? Oh, it's that, don't sit close, sit close to your screen because you get square eyes. <laughs> what <is> oh, that? <laughs> kind of brought them up a bit science-y, I suppose, on, on that bias. So yeah. when you say you get square eyes, they're like, oh, how does that work? Yeah. But when I was a kid, oh, my God, get square eyes, that was it. <laughs> I quite liked square, the thought of square eyes, so I sat <laughs> even closer. So close, you could, you could see the individual dots on a cathode ray screen. It was brilliant. Immediately, half our listeners are thinking, what's a cathode ray screen? Yeah. <laughs> well, it's when you turn the telly off and the, the dot was still there. And how many yeah. times did you wake up in the middle of the night go to... To the test card. <laughs> yes, this, this station has top transmissions. So let me ask you this then, Carly. In, in, the, in the 20 years that you've been doing this, and you, you started back in the day... And uh, so you've been involved in the profession and you've, you've watched it evolving. Mm. So is it going in the right direction? Yeah. for I mean, I'm very biased because I'm obviously a veterinary nurse, so I am more focused on that side of things. I think the role of the veterinary nurse has, has yeah, improved and developed and um yeah it's it's nice to see it as an actual career move now and a career move with several pathways so if you are more academically inclined you can go down the degree route if you are more practical minded you can go down the mvq route you know and and just to have those those and and to have it more accessible for all as well you know that you're not there's there aren't any barriers when it comes to getting getting into the profession so you can start as a animal care assistant or you know I've come across a few receptionists that are looking into going into animal care and then going into veterinary nursing so even that you know they, they're in that reception role and they're getting a little taste of it and they're thinking yeah I could, I could see myself doing this as well so so, so do you think it would ultimately end up as the perfect career and profession do you see the way of going is no does that exist the perfect career I mean I'm I'm in a position at the moment where I love going well, that, to work that's a, 
Every podcaster seems to be pretty perfect. I don't know about you, Mike. Well, so, do, do, do carry on. I've got, well, I've got an interview as a hammock tester in the South Sea Islands next week. Wow. Yeah, that, that, oh. that, that appears to me to be probably Would close you to the perfect get profession. Would you backache, though, because you don't have any support? No, you do have support in the hammock. Yeah. You're not like this. Oh, yeah. Like no, so, no, 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 no. You're, you're using a hammock all wrong. Oh, am I? Yeah. Obviously. Oh, yeah. <laughs> One, wonderful back and, and neck support now. Um, and, you can, and you can rock it. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Side to side. Brilliant. Hang on. <laughs> so, Carly, would, would you encourage your children to go into the veterinary profession? No. Ah, okay. <laughs> now, you didn't need to think about that, did you? So. So why is that? Because I don't think they have the right personality for it. So my youngest, she's she's very gushy and she's very emotionally involved when when it comes to creatures. Her her idol is Jane Goodall. I mean, she absolutely idolises Jane Goodall uh, and the whole chimpanzee movement. She loves sloths. She's seen uh, the devastation of rainforests and what that's doing to sloths and orangutans and all that sort of thing. And she just gets so, yeah, so worked up about it. And she's nine, you know, and you think, gosh, is that mm. much impact? And that's just visual stuff. She hasn't, she hasn't been there to, to actually mm. see it. So um, so she she needs to go into to conservation and to be there and to do it. You know, that's that's kind of what she's got in her head that um, that's. Yeah. So she will be in the animal industry. Definitely. Whether she does a vet nurse or a vet degree and then then branches out and does that sort of kind of conservation, maybe. I was going to say, you don't think vets and vet nurses have a role to play in uh, in conservation? Oh, no, no, they absolutely do. Absolutely do. Yeah, yeah. So whether that would be a route into it, but it would be a shame to to go through the the, the veterinary or vet nurse degree line for five, six mm-hmm. years and then to come out of industry to go into to something like that. Um, if there's another, another route, you know, because uh-huh. it just seems a bit of a waste of brain cells if you're learning about colic in horses and things if you want to go and play with sloths in the amazon or, or wherever they are i i think i think you can never waste brain cells that way but um but i see i see what you mean i, th- I think i understand it's, and it's interesting that uh, that she is so compassionate and empathic yes. yeah it's brilliant really good oh she's first to tell you to recycle your bottle I say my 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 youngest uh Similarly, it, it is is very impassioned with 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 uh, with environment, um, which comes partly from from myself and my wife, partly from the teachers that she's had who uh, who, who are very driven. And I think um, who, who knows who knows what degree is nature and which is nurture. But um, uh, when you suddenly see this huge emotion out of nowhere, it's quite overwhelming for. A, prepared isn't it yeah how am i going to make them or or allow them rather to make the most of that yeah yeah it's definitely trying to to channel channel the emotional side Mm. um and and getting her to be more head rather than heart you know and just trying to 
get her to, to focus on it a bit more. She does have a couple of friends that um, do like wildlife and, and you know, have favourite animals and they do talk about animals and, and stuff like mm. that. So um, that that helps. But her passion is is really quite can get a bit overwhelming as a parent sometimes you know she's worrying about it at night and things absolutely we see we we need we need to have um winters before we need to have lucy cook on on the on the show uh she's the um one of the world's leading authorities on sloths uh and she's she's again not a vet she's a zoologist uh and a naturalist but um uh she has written quite a few seminal papers on on sloth digestion, yeah. Things, uh, and so you know to to do that clearly she didn't need to to go down the the veterinary route or the vet nursing route, and of course the greatest naturalist in the world didn't do a degree in zoology, did he? Or, or Ricky, Ricky Attenborough. But again, that was just his his compassion and interest, wasn't it? It was his. <laughs> Yeah, well, I think the BBC sort of pushed him into it, and he suddenly thought, "Actually, I could probably enjoy this." So I did it. Most of his competition got locked up, didn't they? Yeah. yeah they did. <laughs> did you see what I did there? <laughs> Full circle. So, how many how many kids have you got then, Carly? Um, two. So one's twelve, one's nine. So, what about the twelve year old then? Uh, twelve year old is very much into cats. Um, she wants to run a cattery. Um, she wants to be surrounded by cats and just live a life of cats you're fine. into cats aren't you well i i did a certificate in uh feline nursing but that was while i was on mat leave and i felt like my brain was falling out of my ear so i needed something to keep me mentally stimulated to keep my cpd hours up um and something that wasn't child based to think about you know I really did feel like I was a zombie so I needed a focus um and yeah the ISFM you know just provide all these amazing resources so I thought well I've got the time let's let's do it are you are you the practice cat nurse or uh... no no so when I did um that uh, I was at a neurology referral center so they mainly dealt with dogs and stuff so mm-hmm. that was another reason for doing it because I was so out of touch with the feline side of things that I, I changed a lot of things in the house actually after doing that cert was to you know moving their food bowls and you know all that sort of stuff and try and make them happier cats and I don't know if they were particularly grateful about it, but, (laughs) and I do it in practice, you know, and I love going into practice. I'm a locum, so I love going into practices and seeing what they have done, you know, to be um, more friendly and and those changes. So again, like in my day, you know, cats and dogs were all in kennels together and especially with neuters and things, they'd be in and out in four hours. They'd get, a, you know, so they'd just have a vet bed in the middle of their little kennel and, and off they went again. They weren't offered water or food or somewhere to hide. Mm-hmm. You know, it was literally get convey about, get them in, get them out. So um, seeing that progression has been, yeah, it's been amazing. It's mm-hmm. nice to be a part of that, definitely. And what about other out of comfort zone things? Do you have... Yeah, well, that was where my my scouting come into it because I I've always considered myself a bit of a an introvert, 
Golly, golly, I'm sorry, you're on veterinary ramblings. I know. <laughs> I was going to try and explain myself, but I thought, oh, I don't know how to get out of this now. <laughs> sorry. I'm not, I'm not that person to put myself forward to do stuff in a public, you know. If, if, we, if you said, right, we're coming to your house and we're going to do that, I would have had nightmares for days about it. So you haven't looked outside your window. There you are. <laughs> there we are. There we are. <laughs> and as a, a teenager, I found myself having to push myself to, to get into the, the veterinary field because again, mm. personality-wise, if you don't if you don't ask, you don't get, you know, it's you know, it's so busy that you can get lost. So I had to, you know be that person to, to constantly ask, is there anything I can do? Um, you know, what are you doing? Why is that? You know, to be constantly asking questions. And I'd come home exhausted, you know, after a day of work now, because I am a, a locum, uh, like constantly smiling and being that friendly, happy nurse all the time, I'd come home and I'm, I'm exhausted and I turn to wine. So nothing wrong with that. <laughs> do, you find, do you find working as a locum that's pushing your comfort zone because absolutely one yeah. week you're going to be working with people yeah. that you know and if you've known for a long time yeah next week you might be working with a completely new crew yeah yeah exactly that so there's that and there's uh my scouting that i do on a, a tuesday with a group that i'm i know um and that we're you know relatively comfortable with but they do look to me as a leader for guidance so again it's that stepping into a different role putting a different head on because you're not a parent and you're mm-hmm. not a veterinary nurse and you're not talking to clients mm-hmm. you're, you're talking to young people that that want your help and want your guidance so it's, it's again completely different mindset um and yeah it, it's out of my comfort zone definitely so every day I I do I do try and push myself which role do you prefer? Mother, um, vet nurse, the mentor, wine drinker. Wine drinker. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, we, we're gonna we're gonna have a chat about several steps uh, after this. Uh, <laughs> after this um, I like I like different aspects of all of it every day, um, and it doesn't matter what mood I'm in. Doesn't matter what side of the bed that I got out of. I have to be those different people throughout the day. So, you know, sometimes my children get it in the ear. Sometimes my work colleagues get it in the ear. But I think, you, you know, just trying to find that balance and, and make sure that nobody gets it in the ear. Interesting you didn't mention that your husband gets it in the ear. And I'm sure, I'm sure he never does. I'm sure if we were to have him on, he'd say, no, no, I have never, ever, ever got it in the air from Carly he, he's my absolute rock he has been through thick and thin we yeah no I, I'm very appreciative of him um during my maternity leave he was my bit of um veterinary that I would feed so he's a first opinion vet so he spends all day talking to people that aren't listening to him so for him to come home <laughs> He doesn't want to talk, you know, he certainly doesn't mm. want to talk about work. And mm. it was, when we started seeing each other, 
we never talked about work when we were at home. You know, we took the dogs for a walk, we vented, and then that was it. You know, we never talked about work. So for him to come home from work and then I'm saying, well, who did you see today? And what did you do about that? And he'd say, well, you know, did this. And he's like, oh, well, how, what did you do with it? And what, what happened? who were you working with? And then what happened? And he's like, oh. <laughs> it's like, well, yeah. I need something in my life that isn't a child, you know, and just hand the baby to him. I'm like, right, <laughs> going for a run. <laughs> What's his favourite bread? I mean, do, do you know that? Uh, he likes a, a white loaf as well. Well, there we go. Good, good. Yeah, good. and yeah. he's um, he's a bit more fussy with the crust, though. He um, he he likes he likes a, a softer uh, a dough. He likes doughy bread. He likes hot bread as well. So like, oh, yeah, I like hot bread. Yeah, hot, hot bread. bread and butter. That's, yeah, yeah, right. It's it's a doughy one. Yeah, so you get a doughier one if you don't do the first knockback. Well, I make pizza from scratch, so mm. I make my own pizza dough. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, do you yeah. use fine or coarse semolina? I don't use semolina. I use. <gasps> so you're going to use durum wheat for that, for, for, for a pizza, presumably. But but it did. I see. I I enrich. I get a durum wheat, but I enrich it with semolina and olive oil. So my standard pizza dough will be three hundred and 50 grams of flour, 200 grams of semolina dough, 50 mils of olive oil, 320 mils of water, 10 grams of yeast, 50 grams of salt. Using proper pizza doughs, see, I get the double zero strong white brown, strong white flour, and, and a, a sachet, a, a seven gram sachet of, of yeast. Hot, hot water. Try it next time by adding between 20 and 40 grams of, um, of, of final or coarse semolina. Okay. Dried semolina. Okay. Trust me. Trust me on this. Excuse me. <laughs> is, this, is this veterinary ramblings or have I wandered onto, onto MasterChef? I, I, think we've, I think we've rambled. Have we? No, we rambled. We rambled. Isn't this very typically veterinary, though, that we always end up on food? What is that? We do. We always do. <laughs> we always, we always end up do. On food. But, but I feel, I feel, I, I, I don't mean to be petty about this, but I feel it's a bit one sided. I've given you a bit of um, education here and, and, and taught you something. Do you have anything for us? Any Anything you could sort of encapsulate into, I'd say, about a minute or so of, of interesting and informative? I'll, I'll get my 60 second <laughs> CPD going, shall I? I thought I would talk about returning to work um, after maternity leave. But my, you know, full transparency, my last maternity leave was nine years ago. So the, the profession has changed since then and the whole process has, has changed since then. I don't think maternity leave has changed much either. No, no. Yeah. And I feel like those, those uh, worries that you get about, mm returning to work um are still the same um and i still feel like we are putting a lot of pressure on ourselves to get everything right first time okay and you're up for it well i don't have anything yeah okay okay so what, what are you <laughs> going to do 60 seconds on um bimbling back to work in a graceful fashion post-maternity right bimbling okay. back to work in a graceful <laughs> fashion post-maternity i like it Okay, so so bimbling back to work after maternity leave, starting now. So your first 
day of dropping your child, child children into a daycare, whatever facility that would be, will be traumatic because they will either run away and not look back and you feel, oh my God, they don't love me, all that work I've just put in. Or they cling onto your leg and make you feel really guilty about it. So either end of that spectrum, you're going to go into work um, and your head is not going to be in work mode. It's going to be into the have I done the right thing and do my children hate me mode. Um, And then the first hour of your day, um, you'll have people talking to you and trying to ask you what you've been doing with the past four, six months of your your life. And you have nothing to say apart from child-based disgustingness. Um, and you just want to get back into work. And there is there is no way of saying politely, please don't talk about my children. That's all I've had for six months. And one second left. <laughs> I, I I love that. I think it was I think it was great, and um, I think the the, the the term bimbling worked well with that one. Um, it's very hard because you. I mean, I'm I'm obviously again I'm being biased because I'm a woman, so I'm looking at it from a woman's point of view. But you know, men have paternity leave, and um, after my husband went back after two weeks, he he felt the same. You know, he felt the guilt of of leaving me with this two, three week old um, screaming, vomiting machine. Um, And again, he'd come home from work and I'd be, you know, just bombarding him with questions about his day because I was so bored Mm. of this thing Mm. that was just consuming my life. So, um, yeah, it was was hard for for him as well. But to to get back into that routine of, of... the guilt was was difficult it was and whether it was like I say guilt of returning to work am I doing the right thing is is it worth it that was the other question is this worth it you know I'd have screaming child clinging to my leg or I'd be at work wondering if they even noticed me as they ran off to to go and play with their friends and then I'm thinking you know is this worth it I'm at work now and all I can think about is what are they doing? You know, are they behaving themselves? Mm. Are all the, the the parenting, all those those things that, that you do to that that person to try and make them a good person, are they letting you down? You know, and at, at like eight or nine months old, I don't know if they can do that. But that again was playing in the back of my mind. Are they letting me down by not going down for their nap at one o'clock? Like I said, that they do routinely. You know, have they just completely messed it up, made me look like a complete liar? You know, that kind of stuff goes on in your head. And like I said, people say, oh, how, you know, how are you getting on? And how is so-and-so? And you haven't lost the baby weight either. So your your uniform's tight and you can't bend over because your trousers rip and you try and put your scissors in your pocket. And, you know, you've got... The- well, I, I get that. I didn't have children. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So you're a little bit paranoid anyway, because you know everybody is looking at you because you're 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 fresh in your back, and they are expecting you to be glowing. You know this glowing mother of, of joy and happiness, and and actually you're it just, sounds like you're talking. It sounds like you're talking about imposter syndrome. Do you know what? I, yeah, I mean, I never come across imposter syndrome until I was on. Well, I, yeah, until like a couple of years ago, I was really 
caught on to the imposter syndrome thing. But yeah, I could I could say that about about my whole career. I've always felt like I've had to justify my role by mm. doing something extra. So while I was on mat leave, I couldn't just sit there and look after this this child. I needed to do something. I needed to still justify my RVN, you know. So that was my my feline cert. I was like, oh, no, I need to still keep my hand in. Um, and then when I when I got this uh, uh, job at a university. Um, it was attached to a to a hospital, um, and they had you know everybody with loads of letters after their name in different disciplines. Um, and again, I felt I felt like I needed to justify my role, so I did an anaesthesia cert. Um, and then recently, I've got this role with a peripatetic orthopedic uh, uh, company. And uh, again, I've just done my surgery, sir, because I feel like I should be justifying my role constantly. Having children and having that break, that six month break, um, it, it knocks you back because you, mm. you feel like, well, I haven't done this. So I need to get back into it. And I need to do it 100 percent. I need to be as, as good as I was when I left. Um, I need to be able to hit that vein first time. I need to know where all the syringes are kept now. That was the other bug there. You know, you'd walk in and they'd had like a, a, a well, they changed, they changed everything. They'd moved the syringes and, and now the the worming products are there. Like, why have you put that there? Oh, because it's easier to get from there to there. But yes, but that's, that's it's, it's always been there. So why change it now? You know, why wasn't I a part of that? You weren't here. Oh my God. <laughs> um, yeah, and it's interesting. We, we, we've um, we've spoken to a lot of, a lot of vets, nurses, and 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 and, uh, and other people uh, who have children, and um, a, a common theme among mothers is, uh, and, and, and I'm picking the words I choose. I think hopefully very carefully here because I, I don't want to say anything inflammatory. But um, there, there does seem to be uh, a dichotomy at some stage. Am I an individual still? Or do I just now exist as, as a parent? Hmm. Um, and I think, um, sadly, perhaps, society has it that that's a question that, that mothers ask more often than fathers. Hmm. And the question when when my children were, were younger, if, if I was to go out at an evening CPD, so go straight from work to an evening CPD, a question I would get asked was, well, who's got the children? Well, yeah, their dad, you know. But if he mm. was to go straight from work to an evening CPD, no one would question where the children were, you know. No. So no. why is it, well, yeah, why was it always up to me to know the exact location of my children when, yeah. <laughs> when there's another person involved? Which I do also, understand, you know, not everybody, um, you know, do get a, a lot of single parents, so that's much harder um balance to to find and oh my goodness I absolutely doff my hat to these people that um single parent and are in the veterinary industry I mean wow that's uh, any, any, undertaking. Any, any industry any job being a yeah at all. yeah yeah exactly and, and 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 being a parent who doesn't have the support of their partner or, or whatever um whatever the partner is I, I I just I wanted to lighten the mood for it I thought I'd just um recount the tale of uh, of, a, of a father 
at, um, at the school that my um, my youngest, well, both both children were at. Um, so this this chap had, had um, they had three kids, and um, the, they were expecting the fourth. And I said, so um, you, you got a baby? Do you was it? Is it next week? He said, yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. I said, great. You um, you're taking a couple of weeks off because you need to be on this. He said, no, no. You said she was no, no, not not for the fourth one. And I thought of mine. I thought, no, of course you wouldn't. No, no, no. no. <laughs> it seemed to me that you know, no, no. There's there's an unwritten rule there. No, you, you, you take it off for for, for three. No, you wouldn't. <laughs> well, you wouldn't take cool. two weeks off for the fourth. <laughs> And I suddenly thought, what a, what a sad world we live <laughs> Yeah, exactly. exactly <laughs> but that. thank goodness I only had two children, so I was able to take two weeks off for each of them without thinking, no, yeah, not for the fourth. No, that's sad, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah. Carla's given us some lovely CPD. Have we got a CPD certificate? Do you know, by, by pure chance, we have. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> and um, I've gone a little bit... A little bit off um, off menu with this one. So there we go. What I've done is is base the whole thing around a cat because it seems to me that you've put a lot of effort in over the last uh, few years, particularly when, when you're on maternity leave, in in, in becoming uh, a, a bit of a cat specialist nurse. So there we yeah. go. There's Jimmy, Pushing the boundary. Uh, yeah. Old cat. Nice. Now, unfortunately, that that's the only thing that's entirely relevant because because what i did was i, I put baloo the bear an uh-huh. arcade of the wolf in because i was convinced that the scouts <laughs> had that so and 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 you put that you did a lot of instrument cleaning so i put one of my instruments there, there's a, <laughs> a, a fender telecaster guitar nice. um but 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 you did say that you like beaches so, so there's a picture of a beach right and uh, and you're in Devon, and, and there's St Michael's Mount, which now I recall is in Cornwall rather than Devon. Cornwall. So, <laughs> so, so, you know, don't, 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 don't judge me too much, because the, the writing that you can't actually read because there's this cat in the way yeah. is quite important. It says, certificate of, I've got to read this again, certificate of uh, scouting for nurses. Nice. Now, that, that doesn't sound good, actually. It, it doesn't. Cool. Right. I'm sorry. That's I fine. feel I've let you all down. And, and this certifies that we've all failed. Uh, and it says, sometime. So we've all failed, sometime. And given time, we'll all fail again. And it then says, learn from your mistakes and repeat them or not. <laughs> because you, you said in your little blurb to us that, that actually uh, learning from something about learning from mistakes and i think it's a throwaway sentence but i think actually we we all we all do we experiment with life yeah. we push boundaries we, we test boundaries we do we do learn hopefully we learn from didactic teaching we learn from uh, from auditory and visual teaching in, in a positive way but a lot of us learn by making mistakes uh, or, or by watching other people make, make mistakes, and and that sort of learning should never be considered negative. No, and I... unless of course you kill thirty people, which is a bad thing and always negative. But mis- mistakes happen. We, we, we all make mistakes. We all do things wrong. Uh, and unlike the late and great Peter Cook, who said, "I learned from my mistakes. 
and I could repeat them all at any time. Hopefully, we learn our mistakes and 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 move on using those as as the as the uh, Julian. I, th- I think there's one lesson that you can learn from all of that bumbling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that is that you should be prepared. <laughs> Again. Ah, indeed. God, dear, oh dear. <laughs> so when I talk to um, student vets and student nurses and they um, express uh, a worry in, in a certain subject or, or a practical that they're going to start undertaking, um, or even if they're looking to the future and they're looking into what they want to do once they get their qualification. Um, I always, this is my advice, which is worth as, as much as your certificate, probably. But more. <laughs> everything, everything a lot more, I have. <laughs> but I always say try everything three times because the first time you try it, you'll, you'll hate it because you don't know what you're doing and you'll be overwhelmed. The mm. second time you try it, it will be more familiar um, and you will find a groove within it. And then the third time you try it, you will witness the first timers and you can impart your advice and that makes you more confident in that thing that you were worried about in the first time, first place. So if after three attempts of trying is still not yours, then fine, move on. Now it's it's all good. I mean, we've done our we've done our CPD and we've got a sort of certificate. Kind of, yeah, quasi. But not, we not are the best, told, not the worst. Not the worst. We are told, and I don't, I don't know how Carly's going to pull this one off because we've we've talked about all sorts of weird and wonderful things tonight. So possibly the reflection question may not reflect what we've learned about. However, any reflection is good. Do you have a reflection question for our listeners, Carly? So my reflection question was something along the lines of if your children knew how much effort and emotional strain you were under to pursue, to carry on as the vet nurse, you know, insert your name, the vet nurse, rather than your name, mummy. Um, do you think they would understand why you missed sports day or why you missed the Christmas play? But then on the flip side, would, if your employer truly, if your, if your team, I should say, not your employer, but if your, if your team truly understood the emotional and the the stress to get your child out the way so you can be Carly the vet nurse do you think they would understand why you down tools at five and left you know it, it's that balance between it, it's that reflection on finding balance mm. without letting people down but if you had to let somebody down, do you think they would understand why, truly understand why you let them down? Mm, I think I can answer that one for you, Carly. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, from my, from, um, only from my own personal experiences. And you put yeah. family first. You do. And, and you, you rationalise to your or you hold an adult conversation with your team and explain the situation. 
And it is then beholden on them to understand your situation and to work with it. Because it is only now, probably eight years after my mother's death, do I start to appreciate some of the things that she did for me that has enabled me to go this far. And I haven't been able to have that conversation with her because she died eight years ago. So having said that, I think your your kids will always remember when you didn't turn up to sports day. They will always remember when you weren't there for the Christmas party. They will always remember things like that. And I've got examples in my life where I've let my sons down and I, they go, ah, dad, it doesn't matter. It's not a problem, but you you can sort of see the wound. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't, Um, it doesn't sit right. Does it? It doesn't sit right at all. It doesn't sit right when on the occasions in the past where I have down tools and, and said, like, I have to go. And, and left absolute chaos behind me. And then I've gone in the next morning and was like, oh, how did it go? Oh, we didn't leave till like half nine, 10 o'clock and this happened and this happened. You're like, oh my God, you know, was was that worth it? You know, that, that disappointment that the team now look at you as, as a bit of a, a liability, you know? I mean, you, you no, try- I unless, unless you're I a presenter, really unless you're right. a presenter on veterinary ramblings, you can't please all of the people all of the time. This is true. This is true. I'm, I'm going to get a bit poetical here. I don't know if you've heard of. I have mentioned him on the on, on the on the show before, but um, there was a, a Lebanese poet called Khalil Gibran in the early 1900s who wrote uh, a book called The Prophet, and he he wrote something about children, um, and it goes something like, if I don't know exactly like I've got it here. Your children are not your children. They are the sons and daughters of life's longing for itself. They come through you, but not from you. And though they are with you, yet they belong not to you. You may give them your love, but not your thoughts, for they have their own thoughts. You may house their bodies, but not their souls, for their souls dwell in the house of tomorrow, which you cannot visit, not even in your dreams. You may strive to be like them, but seek not to make them life like you, because life goes not backwards nor tarries with yesterday. You are the bows from which your children are living arrows, sorry, as living arrows are set forth. The archer seeks the mark upon the path of the infinite, and he bends you with his might, that his arrows may go swift and far. Let your bending in the archer's hand be for gladness. For even as he loves the arrow that flies, so he loves the bow that is stable. Now, a little bit pithy, perhaps. My father gave me the, the, the prophet uh, when I was young, and I, I read it from time to time. And I guess the short answer is, um, we we need to get over it. As parents, there are things we'd love our children to enjoy because we enjoyed them. There are things we'd love them to see because we saw them. There are things we'd love them to follow and do and respect us for because we did them, because we want them. Our children aren't us. And at the end of the day, as Mike said, when we're dead and gone, unfortunately, that's the time our children really, really appreciate us. Mm. They they do before then. You know, somewhere between the sullen, yeah, thanks, Mum, there's a, I really appreciate her for taking me to this party. Mm. Not until us that, nor nor should they, because actually, 
it's their life, not ours. And um, I'm just saying that because I feel exactly the same as you a lot of the time that I feel underappreciated by children, my, my, my children. But I then look at them and think, wow, they are having a great time. They've got all these thoughts, all these wishes, all these aspirations, and they're really, really enjoying it. Mm. And they've got lives ahead of them that I can't even imagine. The worst thing I could do is to hold them back and say, no, fuck off. You're not going there until you thank me for taking me to where it was last week. <laughs> um, it's, it's, it's difficult, isn't it, to, to, to think that. But no, our children don't appreciate us. They don't. Because, because they don't have the empathy and wisdom. Yeah. That. But they will do. They will do. Yeah. Just like we appreciate our parents. Or, or not, you know. I don't, yeah. I don't appreciate my dad all that much. It's our lot in life. I think it's more... I think it's more the, it's guilt. It's that word guilt again. It's that guilt of of trying to pursue your career, trying to pursue something that you work so hard to to get to, trying to to wear that hat and then trying to be a parent that's that's firm but fair and um, trying to to get them to understand that mummy and daddy work long hours and because of that we can go on holiday and you know it's it's that kind of give and take but then ditching your your work colleagues when uh they're knee deep in you know whatever is is equally hard and I have taken I have gone to pick up my children from after school club and taken them back to work with me with a McDonald's and sat them in the office while I went and, and helped, you know, finish off, which, again, I think there was um, a level of gratefulness about that. From but who? Gratefulness from the team, from the, mm-hmm. the nursing team. Yeah, definitely. Because, well, you, you know, the job gets done quicker and everyone's out the door by eight o'clock and not half past ten. So, um and they you know the the children were a bit unaware but we do now like if we're driving around um that they will say oh mummy is that that's one of your works there isn't it we went we went to that one and oh mummy we went to that work once as well didn't we <laughs> like oh, yeah yeah so they know all the vet practices <laughs> because we've been back to work to to finish <laughs> off so um yeah mm. but it's that word guilt isn't it about Abandoning people, the abandonment of yeah. people, whether that be your people that came from you or your people that you are a part of, you know, team teamwork-wise. So, yeah. I, I jokingly said that um, unless you're a presenter on Veterinary Ramblings where you can please all of the people all the time, that, of course, wasn't strictly true. And we, we let people down as well, don't we, Julian? Yeah, we do. I think it's, yeah. it's um, beholden to us as humans to let people down. Yeah, Brenda hasn't written to us for a long time, has she? Brenda hasn't. Brenda hasn't. What can we do with that? We can feel guilty, we can write it, or we can hate. We can do one well, of those. Well, there we go. There we go. <laughs> Actually, the burning question I did want to ask you, Carly, because you've got these, you've, you've sort of almost got these three different personas, these three different personalities. You know, you're, you're a mummy, you're a, you're a vet nurse, busy vet nurse, and you're a busy scout leader. 
And I was I was wondering if you ever found yourself crossing crossing the boundaries and and trying oh to God. muzzle little Johnny at Scouts. Yes, and, all the time. And setting fire to your daughters and, yeah. and doing things like that. I mean, does that ever happen to you? Yeah, sure it, it does because the the organizational uh you know time frames of, of your busy work day is a reflection at home you know if we've got after school activities to to get to then you know it's it's a case of right constantly clock watching to to make sure we're out at this time tidy up after yourself so you're not leaving chaos behind you you know so that and and yeah I, I try to be more relaxed at scouts but when you've got 20 young people that are all trying to light a fire <laughs> you know there is a, an element of control that needs to be had um mm. so again you do find yourself just you know sharing and and putting putting time pressure on it because if you, if you don't do this then the next thing won't be done and then you won't be able to do this bit and so but i, I try my very very hardest not to play mum at scouts because mm. I want to be friend rather than than mum. So um, I have caught myself a couple of times if someone says, Carly, and I go, yes, dear. And like, no, no, mate, or or yes, Johnny. You know, you know, try not to say um, love, darling. You know, it's like, no, you're not mum, you're your friend. So um, yeah, trying to, trying to get out of that role. And, um, and, and yeah, and, and the, the hygiene thing as well. Have you washed your hands? You know, get some of it, some of our business, whether you've washed your hands or not. You know, you're a scout, you get your hands as much as you want. Nothing to do with me. <laughs> you know, so. It's everything to do with you. I was a boy scout <laughs> and we used to have to go, Sir, Bosun, yes, sir. Oh. And Bosun ruled, ruled our scout troop with a, oh. oh absolutely. It's a bit more relaxed days, I think. Bit more relaxed. Oh, no, it's much. Oh, it's good. Didn't do me any harm. I don't see why it should do any of yours. <laughs> well, I've just come back from a, a five day uh, canoe trip with my scouts, actually. We went along the, um, the River Avon. We started in Melksham and we oh, yeah. finished yeah, finished in, in Bristol. Lovely. Um, yeah. Uh, and so that was. That was four days on the water. And again, it was that that military, right, you need to get up at this time, have breakfast, pack your tent down, you know, get in the bus, go to the thing, get on your boat, next thing, you know, lunch at this time, so we're on schedule. And, you know, Excellent. so that kind of military thing um, I liked because I like that time scale and that, you know, the control element of it. Um, and I very much wasn't mummy at that point. I was very much friend because there was, you know, splashing going on and rocking of boats and you know just that naughty scout that i really shouldn't have been but i was because you know outrageous <laughs> outrageous well yeah were you gonna say anything julian i i i have, I have nothing i have nothing to add I'm nothing <laughs> away. i just wish i'd be the scout <laughs> well, that's brilliant. I'm looking at the clock here, Carlin, and I think we've taken up more than enough of your evening. And uh, it's a late you, night for you now. As you have so much, yeah, late night. And you haven't yeah. had wine either. You, you probably need your glass of wine. Yeah. So, uh, no, I do. All it uh, beholds me to do is say, uh, Carly Kilby, thank you very much indeed for joining us. And thank for you our for listeners and viewers, if you've enjoyed the show, don't forget to click share, like, 
check us out on Patreon and on our website, veterinaryramblings.com. And uh, do share and uh, do subscribe because it makes a difference. So with that, Carly, may your dog go with you. (laughs) Thanks for having me. May your dog go with you. May your dog go with you.